Welcome back to Talks with Tatiana. I hope you enjoyed part one of my Black Lives Matter series. Now let's get right into part two. Now I'm going to talk about being a minority at APWI during this time. So I... I definitely understand being a minority at a PWI during this type of time period, especially since, you know, being a military brat, I have gone to predominantly white schools. I've gone to predominantly Hispanic schools. Um, I went to one predominantly black school and it was shocking to me after going to predominantly white schools for like my whole life up to that point it was a very shocking moment because i didn't know like predominantly black schools existed and i i went to my first predominantly black school when i was in fifth grade and then of course i've been to some pretty you know i think like my high school was a pretty nice mixture of different races so i've had my experiences at different types of schools and I'm actually really grateful that I was exposed to these different school experiences because it helped me to understand other cultures more. And I feel like that's what helps me to not be so closed-minded to other like ethnicities and other like cultures. But being a minority at a predominantly white school has always had like its fair shares of issues for sure like I've dealt with people looking at me even as young as kindergarten when we read the book about the um, black woman um, activist Ruby Bridges when we read that story in kindergarten this one girl and I'll always remember she turned to me and she goes she's the same color as Tatiana and like the whole class like looks at me and it was like really just weird I mean of course I'm like five six years old so i'm just like okay like didn't think anything of it but like looking at it now it was a little like wow that's awkward and then in fourth grade we were doing this science experiment experiment in one of my classes and it the science experiment was with kool-aid and there was this boy and he yelled out only black people drink kool-aid so the racism and ignorance definitely starts from home like at any age because this was elementary school, both incidents. So, and, and I've dealt with a white girl saying racial slurs to me in middle school. And when I defended myself for it, she pulled the bully card and I, of course, got in more trouble than her. So, um, and then when they even talked about slavery or just remotely anything that had to do with black people I got side glares because I would be in the AP and honors classes with majority white people and sometimes I would be the only black person or one of very few black people in there so I would always get like the like little like side looks like oh like you know what do you think of this you know and it's like what <laughs> um and there was even a moment in middle school where they, you know, there was a bunch of people that tried out for the cheerleading team, including several black girls. And they put absolutely not one black girl on the team except for one. And then they tried to, I feel like they tried to do that because they knew if they wouldn't have put no black people on there, it would have looked very like suspicious and undiversified so they had to put that one black girl on the team just to make it look like they 
you know, slap some diversity in there. Um, but then when black parents went to the school board about it, they tried to get the black girls who tried out to come on the team. And they even like the coaches and stuff, they even emailed me asking if I would be interested in meeting and discussing being on the team. But I declined because I'm like, I'm not about to be a part of something um, if it's going to be like for sympathy. Like if I wasn't one at the first time, you can have it like cool you didn't want me the first time you didn't want my black counterparts the first time don't ask me to be on the team now like it's fine like I don't need to be added to your diversity quota I don't need to be on there as a sympathy point so no I I just completely couldn't see myself doing that and then now that I go to a PWI on like college level times have definitely been really trying um I'm um in summer classes that are six weeks long which is not long because the classes for summer they consist of a whole semester worth of stuff and a whole semester is um I don't know it's a couple of months long so just imagine squeezing all of that into six weeks it's very very advanced but it is a requirement that we take at least nine summer credit hours for to in order to obtain a degree so we have to do it so I was like I might as well just get it out the way not knowing that I would be facing all of these different trials and tribulations this summer and it's like my professors, they really just don't get it. They haven't even addressed the issues on what's going on. And they've definitely been lacking on sympathy and empathy for sure. Um, like even in one of my summer classes I'm enrolled in, my professor assigned a discussion post asking about race. And the discussion post was assigned the week after George Floyd's death. And I was the only black student in my discussion board so seeing like some of my white classmates responses it was triggering and i had to keep it professional i literally sat there and i was typing and deleting what i wanted my post to say to make sure that what i said came off in the most professional way possible because i couldn't just like go off on a discussion board for my class so it just felt just a bit inconsiderate on my professor's part to even have us do a discussion post on that when the rush when the racial climate right now is just so high already so and i also i asked this i emailed this professor as well you know asking him a question regarding like an essay that was due that same week and he caught like a whole attitude with me and i just was like i couldn't believe like the level of insensitivity insensitivity sorry the insensitivity that he had during this time just to add on to like everything else that's going on it just it wasn't okay and then also to add to everything with like the worldwide pandemic watching my own people getting unjustly killed left and right having to talk about race issues for school I happened to go on Twitter and see a whole war breaking out with black students at my university. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, it it just doesn't stop. There's more and more happening right now. So, and there was a lot of arguing going on regarding assaults that happened on campus within black students and how everyone tried to keep it on the low and keep it hushed and hide that. And then there was a lot of like arguing over how there's a division and, and a lot of cliques and stuff that excludes some of the other black people. And it just felt really overwhelming seeing all of this surface because we as the black students of the University of Florida, 
only make up 6% of the population. So the fact that everyone was arguing was so difficult because we need each other. We need to protect each other and support each other. And like, we're supposed to uplift each other and relate to the experiences that we have to go through being minorities at a PWI. So it's like, if we don't have each other's back, then who will? I am glad though that it was brought to light that these things that they were arguing about was being brought was being brought to life because it made awareness to things that are going on on campus and it was very important information and I guess it was just a little overwhelming though um and it was just kind of like scary for me because I was like oh wow like now I'm scared about something happening to me in my own black community on campus you know so and then on top of that black students that are attending PWIs during this time are now facing criticism from black students that attend HBCUs like I've been seeing statements saying things like you can't be pro-black if you picked a PWI over an HBCU or all black athletes um, that go to PWI should take their talents to HBCUs or like all black students at PWI should just go to HBCUs. And I'm just not a fan of that narrative at all. I mean, I agree that if I attended an HBCU, I would have professors that probably cared more about me on a mental level because they understand the struggles of being black in America. But I feel like no one should shove that agenda or any agenda down someone's throat and make them feel like they are in pro-black and supporting their people because they chose a PWI over an HBCU. At the end of the day, a PWI, a HBCU, a community college or whatever, at least we are still getting an education. So the statements against black students and athletes attending PWIs are beyond ignorant. These statements make me feel like some people want us to be segregated again so bad. Myself and other black students at PWIs, we go to represent our people, to show our white counterparts that we are just as capable as they are. Being black at a PWI allows us to advocate for ourselves. We get to inform that we are black excellence and we should not be conformed to a stereotype and we get to represent ourselves in places where we usually don't get represented or at least we don't get represented in a good light so why be comfortable around our own people like when we could be making changes for the black community at pwis i actually feel like attending a pwi and seeing all that the black community does it makes me feel like we are helping create justice for us and many black people with this HBCUs over PWI mindset think that we will be winning by removing all black students and athletes out of PWIs. But I actually believe we'll be losing and letting them win because now they've proven their point that they've always wanted to make, which is that white people are superior and black people are incapable. And if you want to have equality with white people, then you should want black people to showcase their intelligence and talents at PWIs. 
And then also some PWIs truly, they just offer more opportunities, programs, majors, and financial aid than HBCUs do. And if you truly want to see black people win, you should want them to pick a college that best suits their needs, not yours. Cause it's their education they're trying to obtain, not yours. And then of course, yes, going to an HBCU, like it gives you the quote unquote black experience, but only for four years, maybe a little longer if you choose to stay to get a higher degree. But you can't just lock yourself in the black experience bubble. Just because you get to have the black experience for four years in college at HBCU doesn't mean you'll be in like a fully black work environment. And going to like the NFL or NBA, you also won't be in a fully black environment. So it really doesn't matter if you choose to go to an HBCU because at the end of the day, when college is over, you will have to face reality and you will have to face the working world, which is going to be full of different races, not just black people. If you want to go to an HBCU, like go because you truly want to, not because you're going to be pro-black. You want to be pro-black. Pro-black also doesn't mean that you have to tear down black people because they went to a PWI. Going to a PWI really actually gives you a realistic idea of different ethnicities you'll face in the working world. You know, like it gives you exposure to different cultures and different ideas and just different point of views. Being segregated again in schools will only cause more ignorance because people have had less exposure to people outside their own race. For instance, I was assigned to three random roommates. All of us are different races. I'm black, I have a roommate that's Indian, I have another one that's white, and I have another one that's Hispanic. There are some things about um, our cultures that are different and we've learned and taught each other so much about our different cultures um, especially living with them like when you live with somebody that is not your race and they have a completely different background from you you learn a lot of things and I feel like there were some things about their culture that I was uneducated on and there were some things about black culture that they were uneducated on but because of that we were able to talk about those things. We were able to enlighten each other, enlighten each other and make sure that we were more aware of certain issues and things about our cultures. And that's where real unity starts at. When you can meet and connect with others that have a different background from you and learn from them so you won't be ignorant to their race and culture. At a HBCU, the chances of getting that diversity experience is rare. Like it, it is. That's just how that is. And I personally attended a PWI because it was what best fit my aspirations. Not all PWIs are just going to be you know, pro-white. Some are actually very welcoming and diverse. And I support Black students that attend HBCUs, but I also support Black students that attend PWIs because at the end of the day, it should be up to the individual person to attend whatever school that best fits them, academic and extracurricular wise. So I reiterate again, you can't scream pro-Black and bash the decision of your black counterparts for choosing to go down a different education route than you. At least we're still getting an education. Blackness cannot be defined through a singular lens. 
there has there should be no judgment at all of what is considered pro-black behaviors and what's not for black people to be a unit that does not mean we have to do the exact same things we can all contribute to the black community in different ways every single human being is entitled to live their own walk of life not having people judge it and tell them they aren't considered pro-black and whatnot because they choose to take a different route on their journey we have to learn to embrace our community not police each other's decisions through a singular lens of what you believe it means to be pro-black and then also our people fought so hard for us to be able to represent black people at white schools so why would we go backwards and basically segregate schools again ruby bridges she was the first african-american child to desegregate an all-white school in louisiana the famous brown versus board of education supreme court case ruled that racial segregation of children in public schools was unconstitutional even here at the university of florida we have something here called black thursday this event was in 1971 when the black student union gave a list of demands to the president of the university at the time to add programs and improve the campus environment for black students because they felt excluded and they only they felt like the university only catered to white students and their demands at first were not acted on and that led to black students protesting and some got arrested and suspended but they still kept fighting for their demands to be met and eventually the president of the university of florida at that time complied and i say all of this to say our people have fought entirely too hard to give us these same opportunities as white people so why would we go backwards and make all of their hard work be done in vain but i do have to say that i definitely appreciate the black student union at the university of florida um, for creating a safe space for us to vent through zoom calls and continuing to advocate on behalf of the black students here during this time and they even made like a list of demands and they wrote an open letter to the university for change in the black community here on campus and i i also appreciate like my college of um inside of uf uh, i'm in the college of journalism and communications and they have sent countless emails saying that they stand with the black community during this time and they're taking the time to listen and learn which i believe every person needs to do during this time so i appreciate them sending that email and being persistent with it and they've even like given us the opportunity i mean well yeah they've given us like an option to change our grades to satisfactory or unsatisfactory so we don't have to go through the stress of I'm about to fail this class like, you know if we choose a satisfactory or unsatisfactory that means that um, it won't affect our GPA so I appreciate that they understand that there is a lot of emotionally draining things happening in this world right now and that you know they're giving us an opportunity to not have our GPA be affected by that if we choose to go down that route and it also still gets to be added as a credit that was fulfilled so it wasn't a complete waste of time or anything um, <clears throat> and I feel like that means a lot to me too especially since my professors haven't really addressed these issues at all at least my college of journalism did 
And then I really also appreciate my non-Black friends and organizations for acknowledging the problems that we're currently facing and using their voice to advocate. Um, it makes me very proud to ride around Gainesville and just see all the different Black Lives Matter art that has been set up. And I've even seen like at other PWIs too, like just around America, like they're putting together different art and, you know, being vocal about what's going on as well. So I'm very proud for PWIs not just sitting back and acting like nothing's going on. And I appreciate the UF president for coming out with not only a statement, but making a video statement instead of just writing something, because I feel like that had more emotion and sympathy than just writing, but actually coming out with a video saying that he stands with us. And I, I love the setup of flowers and signs and candles. It's literally at the front of our school that has all of these different things. And what really touched me is the fact that one of the major signs along with the candles and flowers and stuff that's displayed in front of my school is the Breonna Taylor sign. And I feel like that's really great because I feel like she doesn't get as much attention as the males who have been killed. So I feel like that's really amazing that they're acknowledging her with the signs and stuff as well. And hers is like, a major sign that they have out there so it definitely gives me gratitude and hope during like this time so now i i want to go into what it's like being a black female just not only during this time but just in general like being a black female it, it during this time anytime it's hard because we're just literally not taken seriously we deal with being in two of the most discriminatory categories which is being black and being a woman we literally have to wake up every day and we have to decide okay like are we gonna face the struggles of being a woman today or are we gonna face the struggles of being a black or of being a black person today like, which hat do we have to put on today? We don't know. And it shouldn't be that way. Not even just with police brutality, but we aren't even taken seriously in healthcare either. A study even showed that Black women in the U.S. are three times more likely to die from pregnancy or child-related causes. I even recently, for the first time, experienced not being taken seriously in the hospital, which it that threw me off. I was not ready to experience that but in march i had to go to the er because i had some very bad chest pains and i had a white nurse and a white doctor and i felt like they took it lightly and i mean they of course checked to see what was wrong but because like my scans were coming back clear and fine they started acting a little funny as if they felt like i was lying and I kind of felt like uncomfortable because I could just kind of tell that they were looking like, girl, nothing is wrong with you. Like you're just faking it. But like, I was truly in pain. Like I had never felt chest pains like that in my life. And I was like, just as confused as them as to why my scans were coming back fine. I mean, of course I was grateful that they came back as fine, but I, I truly thought something was wrong. Like I was in a lot of pain and um i just 
yeah, I was, I was in a lot of pain. And there was even a black woman that was across from me in another bed in the ER. And she literally was about to like cough her lungs out. And like, she was like hacking and everything. Like she sounded like she was like struggling to breathe. It was intense. And the nurses just like, they literally kept walking past her as if nothing was going on. And that lasted for like five minutes until until the woman literally, she finally had to say, can somebody please help me? And even then it took at least about like a minute for a nurse or anyone to even come over to check on her to see if she needed water or something. But then, you know, a few minutes later, this white female, she comes in and she was across from me and she immediately had about like three nurses on her ensuring that she was okay. And I think at that time, like when it happened, I tried to push the feeling back, like to the back of my head. Like I tried to just push it away because I didn't want to believe that I was being discriminated against. But, you know, really looking back at that moment, I feel like I definitely was. And so was the other black woman that was in there. And I also want to say like as the human rights activist Malcolm X stated, he made a very, very valid statement. He said, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And that statement still sadly holds so much truth today. Like we have to face like all these different microaggressions and just everything. Like some of us get told things like you sound white. I know for me, if I had a dollar for every time someone threw that micro microaggression at me, I would be so rich by now. And it's actually like very offensive. It's a very offensive statement because like, why is it that only white people get to sound proper? Why can't I just sound like me? Why can't my voice just be associated? Like, why does it have to be associated to a certain race? If sounding white means sounding proper, then what does sounding black mean? Most people start to fluently speak at ages like two to four years old. When I was in that age range, I was living in Maryland at the time due to my dad's job. Maryland is up north where people tend to be more proper anyways. So of course I'm going to sound proper based on where I learned how to speak. Just like if you learn how to speak in a Southern state, you might have a more like country accent. Either way, like a person sound, how a person sounds doesn't correlate with their race. So being proper doesn't mean you sound white and talking improperly, or as some people would say, like talking ghetto, doesn't mean that you sound black because you can't sound a race. And in fact, it's a lot of black people really that actually say the you sound white microaggression. And we need to stop normalizing that because it's not okay. And then another microaggression we deal with is when people say, oh, like you're so pretty for a black girl. That is just so degrading because basically the person is implying that black women usually aren't pretty so they're like taken aback that they've actually came across someone that's black and beautiful 
black women face so many microaggressions and it just has to stop like i know some people don't have ill intent when they say it but people really have to learn to just stop and think before they speak and say something ignorant and then also um i really hate the narrative and stereotype of the angry black woman why can't black women show emotion like everyone else why is it always the angry black woman but our white counterparts can show that same exact fr frustration and it's labeled as expressing emotion sometimes i just feel like i have to be more aware of my attitude and emotions at mostly white functions especially during school or work because I don't want to come off as the angry black woman, which is a terrible stereotype because every single human being, no matter your gender or race, goes through emotions and should be able to express them without getting labeled for it. And like today's society has just further proven that black women are disrespected and disregarded. Breonna Taylor killers still haven't been arrested and her along with many other black women are killed by the police but they haven't had their stories shared or at least not shared long enough and then black women who are killed i feel like they definitely deserve to have awareness brought to their story just as much as the black men and um there was a recent story that i know many of you if not all of you have heard of but the recent death of a black woman um it hit home for me um the death of the young black activist toyin Toyin died in Tallahassee, which is where my family currently resides. And that story, it, it just hit different because it's like all the streets that they named in the different articles, I know those streets. I have driven on those streets. I, you know, so I'm like, oh my God, like it could have easily been me. And I just, she went to my high school and she graduated a year before me um so i never really spoke to her but i i saw her around so it just it it's a very sad situation and then on top of that like she was 19 years old the same age that i am so it just really breaks my heart just knowing how close to home this is to me being a black woman in tallahassee 19 years old like it's it's surreal man it's i just it's devastating and to know that and to see videos as well that of her on the front line fighting for black men just for her life to be ended by a black man i just that's it's awful i it, it just it's seen too often and I just want to know like how come black women have to keep fighting behind our black men but no one is fighting for us and i know that there are some people that are fighting for us but we need a break we do like black women we need a break too we can't be strong forever we like we are always the one being the glue holding it all together and it's time to change that narrative and give us a chance for once just give us a chance and let us be able to be vulnerable for once and i mean i appreciate the awareness that is being brought to toyin's death but people have been sharing how she was missing for like a whole week and right before she went missing she tweeted a very long and detailed thread about being sexually assaulted 
like she i mean she put details about where this person lived what kind of car they drove everything and then just reading up on the story and finding out that her killer had been arrested for violent crimes and even was released from men mental institutions while still struggling to maintain a stable mental state. How was he even able to be let back out into the public without getting proper help? Like the Tallahassee Police Department just literally failed her in every way. And not very many news outlets or anything spread awareness to her when she was missing. Like people shared for a week and no other news outlets really like said anything they didn't really post anything it was just kind of under the rug people mainly just people in Tallahassee shared it and so um I just feel like that's just not okay that that many news outlets were so silent when she went missing but now that she died now every every single news outlet is spreading awareness about it and it's like y'all are like a little too late at this point black women deserve such a better narrative um there was even recently a white woman who was also almost 19 years old and she went missing a few weeks ago um in ohio and that story made me made all types of news coverage it even made it onto the show live pd so and then it, it and i remember i was following her story because they had said that um her car was left with the keys in and her phone was left in there and so i was like oh my god like i really hope this girl is still alive and it turned out that she just ran away to go live a new life and so that really bothers me so much because she got all this attention and she wasn't even really kidnapped for real or anything but as soon as a black woman or a black person in general goes missing everything literally just goes radio silent we we really have to start changing the narrative and to like my fellow black sisters i just want y'all to know that it's okay to not be okay because i know that we are truly juggling a lot right now um, being a black woman in general just comes with so much fear sometimes. I don't even like when um, a male stranger walks too close behind me. I always keep my pepper spray open and I even have a mini alarm on my keychain. Like black women, we have to get double the hard talks. We have to get the hard conversations about being black in America, making sure we know what to do when we get pulled over by the police or when we're being profiled. And then on top of that conversation, we have to turn around and have the hard conversations about being a woman in America, knowing what to do if somebody tried to grab me and knowing what to do for self-defense. It for self-defense like it's honestly draining knowing how unprotected we are as women especially as a black woman if we're fight and also like if we're fighting for black lives matter it needs to be the entire race of black people including all genders and all complexions of black black women shouldn't be fighting harder for black men than they are for us the colorism has to stop 
both black men and women like it has to it's childish like we have to stop with the oh light skins are better than dark skins or dark skins are better than light skins we are all black at the end of the day and if we are in this fight for black lives matter that means all black lives so again as i said earlier personality and skin color do not correlate it's about a person's character that you should judge from. The degrading and conforming black woman to a specific stereotype is not okay and has it has to stop. Like it it literally has to stop. And we we just need people to stand up for us when you see us being treated wrong. Call out your friends when you see them mistreating us. The same way we want white people to check their privilege, make sure that you check your male privilege and realize how you can use it to protect us instead of harm us. Stop allowing this behavior to be in you and around you. And then also, when, back to Toyin's story, when it came out, I saw some very ignorant and, and distasteful comments from some people saying, oh, do Black Lives Matter now when it's a Black on Black crime? I just can't believe there's really some people out here that are just living for these kinds of stories so they can deflect the real issue. Seeing stories like this make some white people feel relieved because they feel like, oh, okay, cool, like we aren't the problem after all. But that that's not the case, like that at all, that's not the case. And I've seen people deflecting so much that I've even seen comments that said something like, I wish protesters were this passionate about pedophiles and other important topics. Again, stop turning macro problems into micro problems and focus on this one thing. And we just, we, it's like turning, it, it's like we have to stop making it little focal problems and just really focus on the bigger picture. And honestly, if you feel so passionate about other important topics like pedophiles and whatever the case may be then please by all means you can at any point get off from behind your keyboard and start your protest on pedophiles and what other and whatever other important topics you feel needs a protest stop deflecting the problem there is black on black crime but there is also white on white crime hispanic on hispanic crime all races have crime. You don't ever see when a white person goes and shoots up a predominantly white school. Uh, you don't hear it get called a white on white crime. So why do we have to have our crimes or whatever be called black on black crimes? Crimes happen on in every race. And then also you can't be hypocritical and preach all lives matter. I don't see color. Yet you're real quick to point out a black on black crime. And just because you don't see awareness on stopping crimes in the black community does not mean that they don't exist. I have a cousin that's in South Carolina and she started an organization for the community to come together and advocate for the justice of victims of gun violence and how we need to stop violence in black communities. So we, we definitely do care about black lives in that sense as well. Those kind of organizations are there, yet some people just don't care to enlighten themselves on it. And then before I end off, wanna say this, this pandemic that we are in is real. Racism is real. White privilege is real. Police brutality is real. 
people have to stop disregarding these problems just because you feel like they don't personally affect you or apply to you. I've seen a quote that said, your world isn't the world. And that is one of the realest quotes I've seen. So many people tend to have this me, me, me mindset. But just because your personal world doesn't apply to issues going on in the world doesn't mean that they don't exist. So that is all for today's episode of Talks with Tatiana. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Talks with Tatiana underscore, on Facebook at Talks with Tatiana, and on Twitter, Talk with Tatiana without the S after talk. Turn on your post notifications and please leave ratings, reviews, and share with your friends. Until next time, remember, stay open, stay kind, and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you.